Welcome to Sticky Interviews. I'm Nathan Simmons, Senior Leadership Coach and Trainer for MBM, Making Business Matter, the home of Sticky Learning. We are the provider of leadership development and soft skills training to the grocery and manufacturing industry. The idea of these interviews is to share great ideas, great concepts and great ways these skills are being used to help you be the best version of you in the work that you do. Welcome to the show. Welcome to today's interview. I have the pleasure of interviewing Becky Neal today, HR director, expert. I've got a phenomenal bio from here, which is worth reading just in itself. And then we're going to get into some serious questions about high performance teams, about return to work, which is so very poignant for right now with the as we're recording this DIY stores opening and people going back to business but also other businesses returning their people from home as well and also looking at employee engagement off the back of that which is why I wanted to have this conversation with Becky and the direction that our get to know you went previously just exposed so many challenges that are going to come up for the future so with a proven commercial focus HR leader leading large-scale HR teams for the likes of RWE, Empower, Ladbrokes and Accolade Wines operates as part of a senior leadership team, devises and sets HR strategies aligned to wider organisational goals, big stuff, designing culture, values-based programmes, support the development and evolution of operating models, associated change management, employee engagement. These are all big things, especially for HR directors um, working in a global space. But even though it's big, global, it's also hands-on. She's a hands-on operator who empowers her team to communicate in a natural, down-to-earth style. And the best bit about the conversations that I've had with Becky before now is that she takes that complexity and makes it easy for people to understand, especially in fast-paced environments. And this is why I wanted to share some of this. As I said, it's high-performance team, employee engagement, and the elephant in the room, the return to work which I think even in normal circumstances was an elephant in the room in itself, let alone now as, we, as it's the environment we work in and the, um, the ecosystem we, we, we're working in changes. So, Becky, welcome to Sticky Interviews. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your team. First question for me, which is probably the most important question, why do you do what you do? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I guess I just really enjoy working with large teams, leadership teams, setting strategy and direction, and really then just drilling down from that in terms of making them operational plans, working with employees, wider um, groups from the management, the leadership team, and where you know appropriate if you have a union, a union in that organisation. And it's just, it's the variety, it's the complexity, and it's really driving them through and seeing results and taking employees on the journey that just really floats my boat, ticks my boxes, if you like. I love the fact that you said in that is, you know, is taking these large ideas, drilling down, linking people to unions, employee safety, psychological safety that comes with, when we use all those different elements and actually make them work together. So actually, I think that's the first time you've used some of those words in a conversation with me. So it's actually refreshing to hear you say that. Um, you can't do it on your own. You have to involve all of those groups. It's a key to success in making these change projects work. And it's exactly that, because if you try and swing too much to one bias, you get, it creates the bias. 
So if you have a large organization that has their viewpoint and their way of working, that's not going to fit to everybody in your business. And you have to have the, the cross sections and the different dynamics. So you make sure that actually you're giving uh, the fairest and most reasonable approach to all the people in your care as a HR lead. Yeah. And ultimately, if you don't take your people on the journey with you, whatever change you're trying to make, whatever business goal objective you're trying to achieve, you won't do it. You will come across resistance. You will have people take you down different roads and tangents and they, they all need to be aligned, all need to be adding value and all going in the same direction. And you can only do that by involving them, engaging them, communicating and setting the right culture. Mm. You end up with that push-pull scenario where, you know, with the stubborn donkey, you know, you're trying to get the donkey to move forward, you know, but, you know, you're trying to pull it and it's pulling backwards. And actually, you're, you might get somewhere very slowly if you're lucky, but it's going to be a painful, drawn-out process. Um, yeah and I guess that's why really in changes you need to focus on your early adopters rather than your laggards and those that don't want to join in because you can't gear everything to the lowest common denominator in any change that you make but you do have to factor and consider those in. So when you're setting up that plan or when you're setting up that change that you're going through do you formulate a structure of what your early adopters are and then how you then incorporate your, your laggards and how you cross the chasm um, to bring the next group of people in at the same uh, later on in that journey. Yeah, I think you have to come up with a change management plan. You have to look at all your groups, how they're going to be impacted, how they're going to feel personally about these changes, and work through the different groups, the different scenarios, and complexities, and questions, and resistance factors they're all going to bring. You almost need to create, you know, the personas for each group. So, Dave, the bus driver, and these are his concerns. Um, you know, Sarah, the administrator, these are concerns. Jeff, the cleaner these are his concerns etc and you build out each of the characters the um what they stand for the issues that that grouping will um, potentially throw at you and the resistance and what they can actually bring to enable and to help you've got to look at it from lots of different angles to be able to build the plans to take it forward you just do it in isolation of the management team want to implement x y and z and we're going at it you know straight down the tracks then it won't land as well and and I haven't heard it put that way because that's the same as doing a client avatar, doing a customer avatar. So when you have your own yeah, business and you're creating is. your own business, okay, this is my demographic. They're of this age, of this gender, or, you know, this is what's important to them. Okay, how do we make sure we get the message to that person in a language that they understand? And brilliantly, as you, can you put across there, well, actually, what is it they're going to bring to the equation or to the situation that's going to help to move the project forward? What are their strengths? What are they going to enjoy demonstrating that's going to make it work even better, regardless of what the leadership team says they want or what they think is the best thing? How do we get everybody in, involved in that? Yeah, and if you take your early adopters particularly, they can show others, look, you know, it's not just the management said this was a great idea. Actually, it is. Look, look what's happened in my team. Look what's happened here as a result of it. It's working. It's doing the right thing. Yes, these are the teething problems we found, but we've listened to people, we've asked for opinions, and now we're focusing on this. It's almost like, you know, jump on the train, come with us. It's actually not that bad. Have a look at what we're achieving, see what we're doing, come and be part of it. And that's what you hope and you rely on, really, with your early adopters and people who are really engaged with the changes that you're trying to make. And you, you build a momentum in that. I mentioned yeah. Jeff Birch before we got into this conversation. We've just done uh, the, the first of our sticky lunches with Jeff. And the quote that stands out for me that he shared was, a change inflicted is a change resisted. 
absolutely. So getting those people on board and just kind of creating that snowball effect, just so it kind of chugs a little bit further and then goes a bit further and then more people, and you build up that pressure, uh, the, 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 the positive pressure to enable the thing to happen as the way you need it happens. Yeah, and you know, this isn't just for your large scale change project. This is for any change that you want to make. The more you involve employees, the more you engage with them, the more you listen to them, their ideas, you ask for their feedback, they will help you do this. They will want it to succeed. If you don't do this stuff, then you are going to meet with a lot of resistance, a lot of inertia and, you know, general negativity to it. And negativity spreads, but so does positivity and positivity can really make a massive difference as we go on this journey. And you are relying on your, you know, your early adopters, your positive people who view change can see what you're trying to achieve to help along. And the idea is scalable and transferable. So whether it's you're a team yep. leader managing six people and you want to change the way you approach your sales target or whatever it is, or you're leading a full-blown HR cultural shift, now, is doing your, that research, who are my clients, my internal clients, what are their concerns, what are their strengths, let's plan this through a little bit, then let's start including those people. Let's start bringing yep. them in to actually demonstrate actually, um, you know, actually how I've thought about them, what I believe their strengths are, and then also getting their input and their feedback because then it becomes their idea and they'll want to take it forward. Huge. Yeah, and it you have to spend a certain amount of time in the planning phase to get this right. A lot of changes don't involve employees, don't allow for this getting feedback, this, you know, coming up with ideas and wanting to take them forward because they tried to drive them through too quick. And that's going to be a key watch out now in the space where COVID happened to us. We can take some control back now to a degree and start planning for these things before Boris says we can all go back to work and clearly he's not going to say we can all just go back to work just like that so we have the time we have some you know headspace to think about this and to start involving people you know different employee groups represent different issues will represent different impact levels and start now involving them on your thinking true consultation true engagement there's a couple of points there. One is, you know, COVID was, um, was something that happened to us. There's some yeah. information out there that maybe said there was some of this was partially created by the way that what we've done to the world. So it could be there's some Absolutely. Reason. The other part that popped up in my head, I think it's an Abraham Lincoln quote. If you give me five <laughs> hours, if you give me five hours to chop down a tree, I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Yeah. And it's as you're saying now is we're looking at the return to works we're preparing we've got time to have a proper consultation whether it's by phone call whether it's by zoom but prepare to start moving into this space of actually what's going to work for people in the future yeah and for me kind of is looking at that that elephant that often gets talked about or not talked about the return to work right now then with what's happening what are the key things that HR teams need to think about when returning teams back to work? I think they need to be focused on the prioritization of what actually needs to happen. So before this, HR teams would have been hopefully working to a HR strategy to deliver that underpins the business strategy. But amongst all of that would have been a lot of non-value added activity. 
now is the time not just hr but any part of the business to start stripping away the non-ended value activities and start really prioritizing what they need to do and what they need to deliver so some of the things i think the hr needs to start thinking about and needs to start planning on is how do you bring employees back to work whatever that looks like so if we take the the latest thoughts that are being circulated around about um, returning to work will be that probably most people will be asked to work from home if they've been able to work from home and continue doing that production and manufacturing facilities will are starting to be asked to look at how they would stagger shift patterns how they could put social distancing in place a lot of this is really quite complicated because if you're running a production line how do you get that in place how do you ensure that social distancing happens so there's some real engagement activities so where I talked before about working with your employees, you can't have your HR function and your management team alone sat there virtually um, agreeing, you know, what this is going to look like. You need your guys who run your warehouse, who run the production lines, who work on the production lines as an example, as part of those teams telling you what's what in reality is practical, what could be done, not just the theory of what it looks like to everybody else. So, you know, a true engagement, true communication and involvement in the planning for people to go back to work, I think is what HR needs to lead. Okay, so in terms of needing to look at operating models, whether it be to make redundancies and reduce cost bases, or whether it be that actually now you need different skill sets to take the business forward. So as an example, a business that was purely focused on sales, winning new business, going out, making relationships, trying to generate new business and expand into further products, for example, might now need a pure skill set in terms of managing and keeping those accounts and helping other businesses in terms to, you know, how they can best work together to do that rather than purely focus on sales driven activities. So if you follow that example through, you might need to look at what you're design looks like what key roles there are and then having those conversations with people in terms of this is what our world looks like these are the things that we now need delivering are you going to help us do this do you have the skill set can we help you develop your skill set to do so but equally then you need to look at their performance management potentially their how you incentivize or reward them because that may well be very different to how you did previously because if you're typically in sales it's around sales growth it's around the amount of orders you get through your order book minimum order quantities etc building new customers whereas now it may be very different so there's a number of things that hr will need to look at a lot of things would have happened while businesses have been working from home normal hr cycles wouldn't necessarily have been happening so a lot of people we ticked a new tax year for example so a lot of people's bonus schemes salary reviews are usually hinged around those times so what are you going to do around that what comms have you made so far? You might have a number of people on furlough, you might not, but your whole metrics might be wrong. Your way you look at your performance management might be wrong. It might be still right and it might be still valid, but you'll need to communicate. You'll need to engage with people in terms of what that looks like going forward. I think um, some of what happens in terms of returning to work will all depend on what the government does in relation to the coronavirus job retention scheme, because currently, the scheme doesn't allow for any flexibility. So you either work or you don't work. You're either furloughed or you're not. So to be furloughed, you can't actually do any work. You can do some training, but you cannot physically work. So no answering emails, you know, nothing in relation to work. 
that doesn't, as it stands, help employers transition flexibly back to work along lines with the thinking of the government. So if the government potentially wants to change that scheme, it could look at whether it allows reduced hours, for example, in an element furloughed um, percentage-wise from a cost that you can recover, etc. At the minute, it's very inflexible, but it was very quickly designed to reduce mass-scale redundancies. But now we're looking at return to work, they need to review that because potentially you're just delaying mass redundancies if you don't look at the level of flexibility that comes with that scheme. But equally, you'll need to look at how you monitor it, the criteria you put in place, because the minute you introduce some flexibility into schemes like that to enable businesses is the minute you will actually open it up to abuse as well. Yeah. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, there have probably been a number of organisations who have used that scheme who potentially don't need to use the scheme. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. Mm. But I think ultimately the thing that they need to be looking at from a HR point of view in conjunction with the business is um, there will be an element of health and safety as well, albeit you should draft the health and safety specialists in for that because some businesses have just been closed. The working from home happened almost overnight. People locked the doors, they walked out. What, what sort of state was your business left in? What sort of nasty, lurky things are, you know, hanging around in your offices? Your cleaners wouldn't have been in for a long time. Mm. You need to get in and you need to have a look at it. You also need to have a look at, you know, how your office facilities could potentially accommodate people coming back to work. Who do you need back? When do you need them back? What does that look like? If I take, for example, a HR office that I recently worked in, there were eight desks, one exit, and all the desks were stacked next to each other. Well, that just doesn't work from a social distancing point of view. You'd be lucky if you get two people in that office maximum. So what do you do with the rest of the HR team? Um, but I think some of the key stuff is around what's your operating model look like? How are you engaging people through the journey? Are you going to be making redundancies? Are you going to be changing what people's jobs looks like? Do you then need to look at their performance management? What metrics you're using to measure success? How are you going to be rewarding that? Because your business might not be in a position to reward it, but there are different ways other than just financially in terms of rewarding that. But you do need to reflect some people's contractual um, rights because you can't just ignore them because the world has suddenly changed. Employment law doesn't work that way. But one of the key things, and it comes back to what we talked about in terms of employee engagement, is you've got to engage them. What people did when we were told to all work from home and all of this happened, and what they do now and next, will really underpin what their employee value proposition looks like, what their employer brand looks like, what the perception internally and externally of your organisation looks like. And that's really, really important. You only have to look at you know, the bad press that Witherspoons, for example, have had throughout this. And there are a number of other companies I could list, but you know, don't particularly wish to pick on Witherspoons. But you know, Tim Martin was all over the news in terms of the way he handled this, so the way he brings people back to work. He could redeem himself but to a degree. Depends how forgiving people are. But how you treat your employees throughout this whole process, and particularly now in terms of bringing them back to work, with your operating model looks different, whether you need to make redundancies, change roles, et cetera, is really, really quite key. I think the vital thing is how you say people come back to work. And I know from my experiences of certain organisations where they said, no, home working isn't an option. Yeah. And all of a sudden COVID-19 lands this situation 
and actually home working is a very viable option so what was the what was the reason for the, the dialogue previously was it for your own benefits or for the employees benefits the other side of that is then returning people back to work and i will you know i'm making a prediction here that there will be a percentage of companies that will attempt to bring people back to the old model um, yep. and, they, and they will switch off home working as an option and you have to come back and sit at your desk for x number of hours per week and do it and the engagement of those individuals will go through the floor and over a course of time they will lose that talent they will lose those people uh, whether through mental health or whether through people actually just transitioning into other organizations that actually do facilitate that space so i think there's a balancing act to be had there um yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think the whole flexible working one is going to be an interesting debate because the I think it's going to be more around flexibility and having agile workforces than just the work from home debate. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you, you take my situation and it won't be unique. My husband and I are both working. We've got two young kids. Working from home is not what working from home would normally have looked like for us outside of the pandemic. We've got a yep. three-year-old and a 22-month-old. They don't understand the concept of Zoom calls and trying to do emails and trying to do work. You know, they are running around like lunatics and breaking up fights every five minutes. It, it's quite difficult. It's quite stressful. It means your working day has to adjust. You need flexibility in that. Mm -hmm. Normally, they'd be at nursery and I yeah. wouldn't have to worry about any of that. I would drop them off. I would pick them up later. And actually, my day and what I can commit to an organization is actually longer because I don't have the travel um, time then from nursery drop off to work etc i don't have those type of pressures to actually get more out of me then so i think it is going to be more around flexibility and agile working than it is necessarily everyone wants to work from home i don't think everybody has enjoyed the experience of working from home whether they've got Agreed. the distractions i've got or not um there is something to be said about working with your team at least on a regular-ish basis there's only so much Zoom and Teams and Skype or whatever people are using. There is an element of fatigue around that. But I do think there's a balance to be struck and there's pros and cons on both sides. But employers have had output delivered. They've had the commitment from their employees. People have been delivering results, albeit people like me might need an element of flexibility around some of this stuff. So it isn't necessarily with you at five o'clock, but it's with you that day. <laughs> Yeah. But I think everybody's had to do some level of flex around that. So I do think there will be a whole flexible working agenda, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be this massive flex of everybody wants to work from home. But I do think people will now appreciate that things can be done from home and that there can be flexibility. So there should be less rigidity, less resistance. And people should start to be measured a lot more on outputs rather than physical presence <laughs> you're you're reading that... my, my mind and i think I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think we touched on this before but you know, another one of those predictions i'm thinking is going to be a problem or potentially a problem or challenge for people is we go back to this measuring people by the number of hours they spend at a desk when actually they've probably been getting some of their job done without the distractions in three days rather than five days because they haven't got yep. the trivialities or bureaucracy or, or politics or whatever that's happening they can just get on with their job so you know our business is going to be focusing on results output rather than hours at a desk i hope so but time will tell on that one and how you measure people how you reward people they're all linked in terms of that as well and i think it then ties back to what you were saying of 
actually, and there'll be two routes for this. They'll be saying, well, you can get your job done in three days. What can you do with the other two days? So there'll be the people that try and put extra pressure onto these people rather than celebrating they're doing what they were paid for you know, at whatever speed they want to do. Then the other part will be, will organisations try and put too many responsibilities into an individual? So rather than kind of having one kind of um, bubble of skills and, and focuses and it ends up with three or four different hats and actually that hat switching then becomes too complex and then pushes people to the limits in a different way. Yeah, and that, that ultimately will result in burnout and you'll end up being sort of jack of all trades and master of none as well. Agreed. And it's which which master are you serving the most because it won't just be one at that point. There's some interesting things for businesses, for HR, for all those elements to, to, to really bear in mind actually how do they increase and improve or maintain the engagement for those that want to have the flexibility to be at home, those that want to have the flexibility to be in work at, uh, as well and, and making sure the right focus is for the outcome whether it's results focused whatever or outputs focused how they then incorporate that into the business model the new operating procedure or, or ways of working sorry for the future it's going to be interesting and complex yeah, and I think there's some work that you can do with leaders and managers in terms of upskilling them on how to manage properly remote teams, remote working, agile working, and equally with teams. There's a lot of work that can be done around, um, you know, if you just take the insights personality profiling tool, for example, understanding in a team what everybody's strengths and weaknesses are, really making sure that your team then understand them, play to each other's strengths, um, you know, compensate for other people's weaknesses by using somebody else's skill set that is stronger develop people in those areas and once you've kind of worked all of this sort of stuff out managing remotely managing agile becomes a lot easier you will have to change your management style the way you behave to be able to cope and to manage and work this way you can't suddenly have a flexible approach to working if you have an inflexible approach to management absolutely and you know it's that rigidity it's that holding on that holds you back if you think it's going to be one way for all ways you're going the wrong way and it's just yeah. we've got to have that flexibility is it it may have served us up until this point but it's no longer going to serve us let it go because it's just going to become an anchor that's going to be holding you back from sailing in the direction you need to go you talked about insights at mbm we use the hbdi so the herman brain um yep uh, kind of instrument um but it kind of there's similar sorts of things that give you ways of working ways of thinking okay what's this person's approach okay let's really tap into that and again as we talked about earlier what are their strengths let's help them bring those strengths to the forefront so actually when we've got a change we've got a project or um something is, is happening inside the business we can make the best use of that so that person feels like they're adding value constantly rather than feeling restricted or held back really important yeah and you know it doesn't really matter what tool we use i just you know that one i talked mm. about was quite a simple one and one for people to grasp it if you sort of link it back to what i was saying before in terms of involving the right people at the right points in time to make your planning and to implement it yes. if if you had a really good tool and you really understood your teams and how they work together you could very easily draw different people into different projects based on their skill sets and the areas that they work in you can make your life so much easier. There's a lot of work to be done around this going forward. And some of the organizations had started this um, and it was underpinning things like their management development programs, their leadership programs, some of their team working activities. But 
sometimes that's deemed as nice to have activities depending on the level of budget you've got the time you've got etc so it needs to move more to the forefront mm. maybe not immediately because there will be some other priorities um, you know some organizations will literally be making ends meet at the end of each month and be able to take the organizations forward so that might be you know the next phase or the phase after that for them but there will be other organizations who are actually okay and putting people to work from home was a step that they had to do but actually the business is still functioning some businesses are actually doing better it's it's not all doom and gloom admittedly there is probably a little bit more doom and gloom than there is positivity right now around it when you look at the number of organizations for example using the furlough scheme that must shout out uh, you know an incredible message that organizations need some help right now and i think it's, it's all i think it's it's one line i don't think there are variations of a theme i think there are you know there are businesses at various points down that continuum of where they've got this kind of challenge and there'll be a number of businesses there but they want to get to the next um tier in that challenge so they want to get to a point where actually they've stopped worrying about the day-to-day -day and they're worrying about next week or they've got this element they need to and yeah. so on and so and different businesses will be on that train journey at different points but yes. the business the business owner wants to get on the train get to the next station get to the next station get to the next station um so i think it's almost it's one whole conversation is just different parts of it you have at different times with these people um, yeah and where you talked about that plan and getting to different stations that plan should be up on a wall somewhere it should be regularly communicated they should be checking in against it making sure employees know yes. actually we've hit gate one we're at station two to get to station three we need to do the following and you know it's, it's rallying behind each time and it's shouting out your achievements it's celebrating your successes whether they're big or small and really taking people on that journey but they have to see what the journey looks like it's it's frequently talked about it's you know it's transparent it's agile because there's going to be nuances that happen on a daily basis yeah, as we go through these new, these new experiences um and making sure the right people are involved and as you were talking about with the the insights and we as i said use hbbis actually what's the right point for these people to be jumping into this journey who do, how do i get bob involved at this point um and how do i get jack involved at this point and, and so on and so forth because that's when they're going to show their best strengths and letting them know when they're going to be included or when they need to really step forward and and demonstrate those leadership skills and that situational leadership they've got and just keep the yeah. The thinking that was existed six months ago is the same thinking. It's just how you reapply that into the current situation that needs the, the most amount of focus right now. Uh, yeah, and, you know, with any change, there comes an element of unlearning, relearning and, you know, moving forward. But nobody's asking anybody to forget the old world. No. You still need to take some parts of that old world with you into the new world and the new ways of working and whatever it actually looks like going forward. But I think what is pretty clear is the old world doesn't exist in that format, in that state anymore. Yeah. They'll, you know, take with it what you need to take with it, but also you need to be agile, you need to be flexible, and you need to have some kind of plan in place for what is going to look like going forward. And some of it is for organisations to shape themselves. Some of it will be determined around some of the government measures and things that it says that we have to do for a period of time and maybe forever. Who knows? But you've got to start having a look at it and thinking what it means for your business, what it could mean for your business, what you could do. Right now. And then also, as you were saying, I was thinking, and there needs to be those 
we're, we're at this gate, we're at this station. And then having a meeting around that, okay, what have we learned from the last train part of the yep. last, last part of the train journey? What do we need to implement or shift or change transfer scale for the next part to make sure we get to gate number two? Um, yep. And taking the time to reflect on that as a team with your people so they are included and using their strengths and you know they can see where they're going because of that transparency and that frequency of conversation. Huge. Yeah, it's managing it like you would manage a proper project using proper change management and project management techniques. But you, you know, most organizations will probably be in a little element of panic. Panic brings quickly doing things, brings reactions being moving forward. It's just slow down, pause, have a think, pull out a proper plan, somebody manage it properly as a project, you know, manage it properly as a change, and then you can get this done. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I'd say slow down, pause breathe reoxygenate your brain rather than go into you know fearful thinking which causes fearful reactions and then yeah. apply the, the logic and you you know do your reflection get your data and then make the next move based on that as well with what you know is feels right for your people so there's that engagement and you're looking after them and also as a business element so it is it's done with reference and reflection so that actually you get the outcome you want to get to Brilliant. Yeah, and I think that's why there are some pressures being called on the government now to start giving some idea of what their thoughts look like. And there was obviously some information circulating and businesses had until yesterday to respond against some of the ideas that were um, being developed. But they're doing that because of the feedback that you can't just switch it back on. And what does switching it back on look like? So it comes back to there is time. Don't need your reactions. Think, plan involve people and then start to look at doing mm. and my brain went in another a slightly different direction is you know we've done this once it means that this lever has been pulled previously it can be done again if we end up with covid 20 whatever that looks like yep. i'm just just upping the number on this um <laughs> what are we learning from this um and how do we implement that moving forward and make sure that actually when this happens next time we do it better um, because it's, it's um, a process that needs to happen if we want to keep people safe in our businesses, in our families, in our communities and stuff. Yeah, this, I guess, was the ultimate test of people's disaster recovery plans or lack of disaster recovery plans. So there is a lot of work to be done in terms yes. of updating that reviewing it taking a lot of lessons and then building out what that would look like should anything happen and hopefully it won't on this type of scale again but there are a lot of lessons to be learned both positive and some that you know we could do with not repeating and building on mm. and we can incorporate that now kind of as long as we're going through it and we're we have that reflective sense in our brain that although we're going through it and we're in it having that logic and that you know that kind of future long um future focus as well how do i make sure we're incorporating this into the plan as we're going along or that we have those review points again to make sure we're building it in thinking yeah and i think so sorry some of the things no. that people probably when i talked about prioritization before need to move up the priorities as a result of covid19 were things that they put on the back burner they put plasters over some of their technology they put plasters on some of their um, management programs for example some budgets went on hold etc wasn't quite the priority for whatever reason you need to have a little look at some of those because they are going to enable you to go forward and if you can afford it do the investment whether you do it in you know drip feed the investment through or whether you have some money available to do it or whether again it's in one of your stations on your roadmap 
but some of those priorities needed to work up because the plasters came off when everybody was set to work from home. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were poor quality plasters at the time. You know, it might have been we did what we yeah. we thought we could get away <laughs> with at the time. The pressure testing meant that the plaster came off, and we ended up, you know, with all sorts of analogies about you know cuts or burns, infections. And um, yeah we've had the pressure test and we've had it at a global level you know it's not just one organization it's every organization you know in yourself in your family in your business every element um and it's just and there's a few people i've seen on linkedin that say oh if you're not learning something while you're at home doing this one you know you're wasting your time but you know for business people we are learning things every single day about how we think how we approach things how we make it you know more not secure because there is no such thing as complete security how we mitigate certain certain challenges so that actually when the next crisis comes downstream we've got some more levers and more buttons to pull push to help us uh, overcome that faster and keep us moving forward in the best possible way yeah and i think everybody has learned something but you know some people and some businesses are in survival mode they're literally plowing every hour they've got into saving their business they don't have yes. time to do the online learning LinkedIn is flooded with offers of free training right now, webinar for this, webinar for that. And it's great. And there will be people who can use it. There'll be people who desperately want to watch the replay and are building a great big list of replays to watch. We, we have to be kind to everybody as we go through this process. We have to not judge people. You know, did, did you do learning? Did you do this? What did you do? Some people are just surviving, whether it's just, you know, in their personal circumstances, trying to juggle everything, whether it be financially, whether they are desperately throwing everything in to save their business and their jobs. So, you know, everybody is learning something. It's just mm-hmm. how we define some of this is really quite important. I think on the other side of that is, is making sure that we're aware that we're learning something. For me, now you know whether whether you're watching the free webinar and quite we're doing them, we're doing the free content every single day, and we're out there doing that. But you know, if you're out there fighting to make sure that your business survives this and you're able to move forward in in a two months, three months, four months, or whatever, is making sure you're t- taking time to um, reconcile what the act the actions you've taken during that day. Okay, am I you know is this helping me? Is this moving me forward and developing that thinking as you're going real time? You know, not necessarily watching the free webinar because that may be not your may not be your focus at one time because that's not going to help you maintain your business. But okay, what did I do today that's helping me to move forward? What am I doing today that uh, means that I can make sure that these guys are still employed when we come out of this? How am I connecting with my suppliers and my my smaller clients? All those different things that are just okay. How do I make sure I build this relationship for now and in the future because the world's going to be very different in three months' time. And as long as you're asking yourself those open coaching questions that keeps developing your thinking, that you know full well that when you come back tomorrow, you can make a one degree improvement in what you're doing and what you've done so that you are continuing to make that growth because that 1% will compound. And that, you know, even if your business doesn't make it out the other end, you will have this huge raft of knowledge and understanding yeah. that you can apply into the next business, the next organization, the next team that you're leading, whatever it is because you've come through this and you have taken the time to learn that rather than you know giving yourself a hard time for being in a crisis situation for being in you know, fearful environments it's important we do this and thinking about that and leading on from that you know what are the most important considerations for the return to work when we're bringing people back into organizations 
think it depends what happened, so to speak, in terms of your organisation during this time. So if you had to furlough the vast majority, if not all of your staff, then your considerations are somewhat different. Do I have a viable business? Can I afford to bring back all my employees? Do I have to do mass scale redundancies? What does my operating model look like? What does my business look like? If you're in a, a different situation in terms of, um, you know, you, you were able to operate, you're doing okay, you just have all your workforce um, working from home, then that's different in terms of the key priorities there will be around taking employees on the journey with you, working with them to build what out what this plan looks like, clarity on what the new future is, how that's going to work, what you expect from your employees. Um, for others, there'll be a combination because if you had a, you know, a production facility, for example, if you're a logistics operator and there'll be loads of other people who have just not been able to work, but can start to drip feed that back on can start to turn parts of it back on. And that will be around retaining people's skill sets that you're going to need. That will be managing what your organization design needs to look like in the, so the next three months, six months, 12 months. And it may mean you have to do some reduced hours. You might have to make some redundancy. So it's working out what your cost base can be, what your operating model looks like off the back of it. I think no matter what state you're in and where your plan is and how you're going to get forward, some of the key considerations has to be how are you going to thank, recognize, reward your employees for all the effort and discretionary effort they put in to keep your business going. Um, you know, whether they did just take furlough whether they've done extra learning development, that, that's not really in question. But if they were furloughed, for example, they did that. They, they took on board the need for you to do that to them. They willingly, in most cases, would have signed up to that on the hope that they will have a job back at the end of it. That's a different group of people you need to look at, you know, thanking them, working with them, whether they will come back or not. Um, and I think leadership really will be key how do we manage teams when we come back we've talked about agile working we've talked about flexibility we've talked about you know you might might have to play to different people's skill sets you might have different skill sets that you require going forward i think there'll need to be more clarity in general in terms of what are we asking people to do because we probably haven't refocused a lot of people whilst they've been working from home or for those who still have to go into the office for example are probably still doing the same tasks that they were doing before that but what do they need to do going forward i think there's there's quite a lot that we need to be looking at really um reducing non-value add activities really making sure people are really really clear on what they need to do what our operating models look like what our plans are and just involve communicate engage with them otherwise you're not really going to have a very successful return to work story, whatever your return to work actually looks like. No, and I think like I say, it's, it's having the conversations now, so you're cutting out the non-essential already. You're already looking as a leader or in a business of what are the core strengths and key strengths of these individuals. What does that plan look like? You know, in, in not having all the pieces perfectly in place, but having that dialogue with them so that you can start having that conversation. And I think some of those businesses and I think there's a few out there already know that some of those people won't be coming back from furlough. Yeah. And it's about having the honest conversation. It may not be the most comfortable conversation, 
it is the most decent conversation to have as long as you know you can say whatever you want to say to someone as long as it's done with absolute love and respect for that individual absolutely and it is it's, it's getting that conversation in early so people aren't sitting there on a whim or a hope because it will be the people that sit in there on that that thought maybe they might have their job to come back to at the end of this and all of a sudden they're surprised by the fact that they're not coming back to their job that's going to be the ones it's going to be most painful for um, so and I think you having know, that conversation now and people should and hopefully they are talking to their furloughed employees however they're choosing to do that one they're off it's no different if somebody was off on maternity leave someone was off on long-term sick you still need to be talking to your employees they are still your employees whatever situation that they're currently in they need to know what's going on with the business they need to have some kind of answers to will is it likely that i'll be coming back if i'm coming back will i be full-time will i be part-time what's going to happen will i have you know a job what does that look like you've got to start having honest and open conversations with people because if you are really thinking that a lot of these people aren't coming back or a certain percentage aren't then you should have already started your consultation around this because true consultation starts when you start thinking about what your operating model will look like and if you're going to change it so there's an absolute necessity for businesses okay there's the data what the date whatever the day-to-day -day looks like right now you know making sure you you've got clients big small whatever your suppliers still exist so you're building these relationships making sure these two elements of relationship and also that third element you know is actually have i looked at what a month two months six months from now looks like as a staffing as and, and doing that costing and making sure your commercial teams are looking at this your hr teams are looking at this as well and start to have those 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 parts of the conversation um in truth you know the question that i ask people in, in a lot of our coaching trainings is who here likes surprises and the truth is no one likes surprises because the answer is always oh it depends what it is well if it depends yeah. what it is it's not a surprise is it we don't enjoy it so we don't want this stuff sneaking up on us and as leaders it might be the 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 the, the thought that's at the back of the head the one we least want to deal with but the truth is and i think it was brian tracy that said it and i you know you have to eat the frog first you have to go and do the uncomfortable yes. thing first and crack on because that's the most important thing that's going to happen for these people not for you it's because they are in your gift they are in your charge and if you're treating them or you're ignoring that fact one of the key facts about their life you know you're you're creating a real pain point for that individual that's in your gift and, that's and i think okay. the other no, and the, the other part of that as well is some of your furloughed employees will be coming back to work. And there have been employees who had to pick up some of their tasks because some of the stuff needed to be done, but it couldn't justify the person staying to do it. So, you know, X number have stayed on and are working, be it in the office, in, in the factory, you know, however they're doing it or at home. There is an element rightly or wrongly a resentment from some of those people particularly if they had been furloughed and what their earnings would have looked like and then their colleagues you know are at home doing whatever they're doing there's a lot of people doing up their houses and their gardens there's a lot of people obviously looking after their kids or you know doing whatever else they're doing while these people are still having to do their childcare, their day job plus somebody else's additional activities etc some people have had to take a, a cut in salary some people haven't, some people are working less days, some people are obviously working more. So you have to merge these back together as well. 
and you have to get over the resistance, the resentfulness between some of these groups. And obviously you will also have some people on furlough who didn't want to be furloughed, haven't enjoyed the experience of being furloughed, would much rather have been back at work. You might have an element of resentment there as well to work with. Why was it me and not you? I could have done your job, you're doing mine, etc. Mm. I think it's going to be an interesting thing of people coming back together, that, uh, that stretching of relationship and pulling apart um, for whether we wanted it to or not and then bringing those people back together and making sure that's done in the best possible way we know from a health and safety point of view okay maybe it's going to be some people are coming back to offices they're doing it on rotation so they're maintaining that two to five meters um, there'll be other people as we come back to everybody coming back together in the nicest possible way i think that first time that, that office actually does come back together with everybody in the room we probably won't get anything done for two days because everyone's going to be catching up with each other and having a cup of tea and you know sharing a, a coffee or whatever just to get back to seeing people and actually have hugs and you know appropriate yeah. appropriate office um into a physical interaction because actually we've missed it so much because you know the zoom is tiring it's, it's mentally fatiguing and i want to just shake someone's hand i actually know i no. want to hug my parents and, and all that sort of stuff um, yep no i get it, it. there'll be that, you know people have been honing their baking skills they need to bring them into the office <laughs> that's a whole different uh, conversation i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know there, it is true people have missed other people they have missed face-to-face -face team working interactions whether you were the greatest fan of working in an office and your colleagues or not before you've missed them yeah. you have missed that camaraderie you have missed the odd falling out you've missed the who's making the teas next you know that type of thing you have missed this stuff i know i've missed interaction yes. with people be them in the office be them in general you know i almost love it when you bump into when i use the term quite loosely because clearly there's got to still be two meters you bump into people that you know on your daily walk and just talking to somebody else is amazing yes. <laughs> because otherwise i've just got my husband and my two kids you know, yeah. you can do the FaceTime, you can do the Zooms and stuff, but physical face-to-face -face talking to somebody is just so different. Yeah. You can have a proper good natter. <laughs> yeah. And, and I that's also, good for people's mental health, if nothing yes. else. And I think there's the, 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 it's a continuum. Now, the other side of that is I also want to go and just have a cup of coffee somewhere. I want someone else to go and make <laughs> me a cappuccino and maybe sit on my own. In, my in, husband can't wait for good coffee <laughs> but, but in the hubbub of being around people so you kind of you have that community environment and then doing it as a family and then you know seeing all of that stuff so there's going to be a combination in the workspace of there probably will be 24 to 48 hours where people are literally just coming back together and there's going to be you know lots of coffee conversations lots of baked good come, goods coming in people just you know rebuilding that but then as a leadership and a HR team is kind of facilitating that space so that actually what else grows out of that? What ideas, what collaborations, what forward thinking develops? Um, and just making use of it and optimizing that, that situation. Conscious of time, crikey, it's, it's sure. almost an hour. We have been, <laughs> I love it. I love these conversations, especially when we get to these sorts of spaces. Um, Big question for me then, you love HR, cultural change, big change, and this is huge. I mean, this is one of the biggest changes I think businesses are going through right now that have been ever seen uh, in, in, in one space. How do you make behavioral change stick? You have to take your employees with you. So you need to be creating your vision, very, very clearly communicating what that is, 
talking to people about why we have to do this, what the benefits are, where we're expected to go in, you know, this time frame, that time frame, etc. Coming back to our trains and stations analogy earlier, how are they going to be measured? What do their goals look like? What are the performance metrics? What are all the KPIs? How then are we um, aligning sort of reward and recognition frameworks? How are we aligning behaviours and values and what we expect from people? What does good look like going forwards? How are we going to recognise then the good behaviours? So we talked before about the early adopters and the benefits that they can bring and they can showcase and they can talk people through. Actually, it's not so bad on the other side. These are the things we've learned. This is what we're doing. But equally then, how do you address people who are not coming on this journey? They're poor behaviours. What do you do around that? A lot of how you make change stick is just communicate, communicate, reinforce these communications, ask for feedback, engage with employees. We talked before about people have different um, preferences and, and skill sets, but they also have different learning styles and all of these things are aligned. So you have to make sure when you're communicating, when you're putting new training in, for example, new learnings in, that you are catering for different learning styles and you're making sure that everything you do, different people in different preferences and different learning styles, etc., they're all taking away the same messages, they're all understanding things the same way. So that you don't get, well, my view of this was, oh, actually, well, mine's this. So we're going in this direction. You've got people pulling in different directions. But we, we've talked quite a bit about late adopters and, you know, people who are really taking it and, you know, really going forward as well. But you, you can't develop a plan to the lowest common denominator. And I think in general, particularly in HR, we're quite bad at doing that. We do develop a lot of plans with the worst case scenario rather than looking towards what the best case should be and taking people on that journey. But equally, you do need to have a look at your different personas and your different avatars and who's going to play what part. But, you know, some of the other things that will make this stick is you have to acknowledge the mistakes, what we've learned from things, what we're going to do to take things forward. And all that only comes back from asking people, listening to people and giving feedback as we go through these journeys. I think you just have to reinforce visually through briefings what your vision is, why we're going there, what we're going to do. What's in it for you? What's in it for me? And what's in it for the bigger picture? Um, the analogy thing with the train station, which is one I use a lot, but as you were talking about the learning styles, is is almost like f for me is okay. Here's now. Where's where we want to go? This is the train journey. These are the things that are going to derail us. These are the dead ends. These are kind of the and I can't think what the right yeah. names are, but and you're thinking about what? Well, how do we make sure that we're using this? Know, these learning styles in the best possible way to make sure the journey continues on where we're going not be derailed or or um or taken off track and, and preparing for that so you can mitigate the challenges all the way along that so actually and, and you can see those things coming downstream down the track and then you can move forward and get the best possible outcome that's huge um, it is huge the benefits are huge of getting this right as well though but equally if you get this wrong you're in a whole heap of trouble and you may not have a business to take forward because your business will fall down from the inside out. Oh, yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall in one of your sessions, Becky. Oh. So look, <laughs> last question. Where can people find you? I'm currently hiding out in Porter's Head. Um, I, you can email me. So my email is becky at shrc.uk. Um, on my website, which is www.shrc.uk. Or you can give me a call. Um, 777 um, I am based out in Portishead, which is near Bristol, but, you know, 
most of the world can be done virtually so any HR service um, it doesn't just have to be from this locality any change management project that you want then you know give me a shout and we can talk through some of these things phenomenal and you know talking to becky now previously about the thinking and what goes into her changes from her experiences have been eye-opening for me and kind of the, the processes and, and some of those elements that need to be incorporated coming out the back of now and any crisis situation Dig in, have a conversation, go and speak to Becky about this so you can get that deeper understanding so you can land these changes far quicker and far more eloquently because it's going to be the language that we use with ourselves, the way that we lead in our people and get them included is going to be imperative for us to succeed as individuals, entrepreneurs and people leading large scale businesses. Becky, thank you very much for today. So very appreciated. <sighs> Thanks very much for everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. And look forward to speaking to you next time on Sticky Interviews. Bye.